Moneyball! Hi and welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. I'm Mark Simon. Two weeks ago, our episode shined a spotlight on women working in baseball analytics, Emily Curtis and Kiri Oler. This week, we turn our attention to people of color working in the field, and we'll talk to three of them. Javier Duran of the Cardinals, Spencer Weisberg of the Mariners, and Karim Kassam of the Twins. Javier Duran is in his third year with the Cardinals. His first is the coordinator of technology and innovation after a year as a baseball ops fellow and another as a baseball ops analyst. Additionally, Javier played pro basketball in the Netherlands, Hungary, and Finland for two years. He's a 2015 graduate of Yale. We have a Yale grad and a Harvard grad on this show with a degree in economics. Uh, Javier, tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and explain the path that took you to work for the Cardinals. Well, Mark, first and foremost, thank you. I appreciate you having me on the show, being able to, to come on and share my story. And uh, I mean, you pretty much hit it on the head. I was uh, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. Again, as you said, um, I had an opportunity to attend Yale um, and, and get an economics degree. I also played uh, basketball there. I was a four-year letter winner as well and had a very successful career on the court. Uh, after I graduated, I decided to pursue basketball professionally full-time. Um, and so I pursued basketball and for the first two years, uh, my first year, I was in uh, Holland, the Netherlands. And then my second year, I went to Hungary and Finland. And so after that second year, I was really looking to get into the business side of sports. Uh, happened to find out about the fellowship with the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and then I applied for it. I got a chance to come in and meet the staff and, and really get more information about what the, uh, the job description entailed. And it sounded like something that I wanted to pursue. Again, it was a, a win-win for me. I got a chance to come back home and um, even though it wasn't basketball, I still got a chance to stay in sports. And so it was a no-brainer for me. Um, and I've been there ever since. I started in January 2018, came in as a fellow. The next year I was promoted to a baseball operations analyst. And then the following year, uh, earlier this year, 2020, I was promoted to a coordinator of technology and innovation. And explain to us what that role entails. Yeah, so coordinator of technology and innovation uh, is a pretty cool title. <laughs> yes, have we seen uh, baseball take on this or tech in baseball take on this uh, bigger and bigger role within baseball, specifically with player development? Uh, my role is really to go out and to uh, make relationships with all these tech vendors, right? To go out, explore the market, see what's out there, you know, run cost benefits analysis, seeing, hey, how could this benefit our organization? Um, how does it compare to competitors? Um, and, and really generate all of that and connect and do cost benefits analysis and give it to our decision makers, to say, hey, this is something that we should invest in or, or no, I think we should really hold off on it. But again, the crux of my position is really going out and building these relationships. I would think that having worked as an analyst already, that you would have an edge in that because you know the things that work already and you know what you're looking for and you have a pretty good sense of things. Is, is that kind of how the, the things work for you? Yes and no. So as, as my role as a baseball operations analyst, it wasn't so much uh, in-depth in analytics it was more so helping across all departments. And so I got a chance to work with the pro scouting department, international department, player development, uh, amateur scouting. And so it was really more of a broad role. And so uh, being a coordinator of technology and innovation, it's more focused, it's more narrow. And so, yes, there's a sense of kind of knowing what the organization uh, or kind of knowing or have, having that upper hand, as you said. Uh, then on my end, it also entails me building these cross-functional relationships across departments Right. So seeing, hey, uh, going to our international scouts, what are some of the things that you guys are seeing? What are some of the things that can help you? 
uh, going to our pro scouts, hey, uh, doing the same thing. And, and again, building these cross-functional relationships. Yeah, again, establishing those relationships with those tech vendors as well. I want to go to basketball for one second here because yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I don't know that many people necessarily that have gone from professional basketball player to doing what you do. Um, sure. first, first of all, what was your biggest basketball highlight collegiate and pro? My biggest basketball collegiate highlight was winning an Ivy League championship. I think that's something, of course, you know, you come in, you know, as a freshman and you want to win a championship, right? And so I was able to do that my senior year. And so I was very, very excited about that, being able to win again an Ivy League championship. Um, as a pro, one, uh, I kind of, it's kind of split, right? And so my first one was uh, being able to have an, uh, a pre-draft workout with the Boston Celtics. So, of course, right into the draft, uh, teams are looking to bring in players whom they may be considered drafting. And so I was able to be in a, a pre-draft, uh, pre-draft workout with the Boston Celtics. And so it was a great opportunity. I got a chance to go to their campus and, and work out in front of the coach and uh, use all of their resources. And, uh, and so it was a really good and fun opportunity for me as well. And then uh, kind of the, the tie with that was my first year in Holland. As a rookie overseas, I was able to lead the league in scoring. And so I scored the most points. And so uh, that was something I was really proud of. Very nice. What was the decision to go baseball for the path that you've taken career-wise instead of basketball? Yeah, it was uh, really just opportunity, right? So after my second year, again, I was just looking into getting into the business side of sports. Um, I always had a heart for my city. Again, I was born and raised in St. Louis. And if you know anything about St. Louis, we were a huge baseball town, right? Uh, the, the the greatest fans, big, biggest fans in the world, greatest fans <laughs> in, in sports, right? And so... Uh, when this opportunity came, it, it just came just kind of at the right time. Again, I was looking to to get into the business side of sports, and uh, this fellowship opportunity came, and um, you know it seemed like the perfect match for me. Again, being able to one work with the St. Louis Cardinals, and two, being able to stay home. How did the different departments with the Cardinals, as we segue back to that, uh, interact with each other? And so basically, the Cardinals we have five departments, and uh, much like all the other organizations, right? We have our scouting department, pro, uh, amateur, international. Uh, then we have our player development department, and of course we have our, our R&D department, right? And so really, you know, the R&D department is, you know, the driving force, um, much like I'd, I'd imagine every other organization is. And so, um, you know, I've been able to, again, work with all the other departments and um, kind of assess their needs and kind of couple that with other people's needs. And um, again, just being in that R&D section, you get a chance to see how you can help multiple departments. What was the biggest thing that surprised you when you first started working in baseball? And maybe this is just a, a personal Cardinals thing, but really just how tight-knit the group was, right? When you think about baseball front offices, you think about these individuals that, uh, quote-unquote, can't be touched, right? Your general manager, your president, your assistant GMs, all of these individuals. And, but the thing I loved about the Cardinals was that everybody was accessible, right? One of the first days I met with our GM, Mike Gersh, and, you know, he basically said, hey, listen, if you have any questions, you know, I have an open-door policy. Right. And same thing with our president of baseball operations and uh, again, our assistant GM. And so I was really surprised by that. And it was really just a welcoming experience for me, especially as I was trying to get my foot in the door. Is there anything that you took from your basketball playing career that you take into your job uh, in baseball? I try to leverage everything that I learned from my pro playing uh, career. Right. Um, And a lot of stuff was one, due to my position, right? So when I played basketball, I was a point guard. And if you know anything about the point guard, he is, you know, the quarterback. He's uh, the guy who's responsible for everything, right? And so that takes leadership skills, right? That takes, again, I'll talk about building cross-functional relationships, being able to relate to other people, 
Um, and so all of these things that I learned from being a point guard and uh, learned from, you know, playing basketball as far as the teamwork aspect, these are things that I uh, carry, again, every day into my job as a, as a baseball employee. What is a typical day like? That's a really good question. We talking pre-COVID or, po- or now COVID? <laughs> We're talking, let's say, let's talk within the last three months. Yeah, within the last three months. So my role, again, a coordinator, it was really uh, outward focused, right? And so going out and, and being able to establish relationship with vendors. But now that we're in COVID, everybody's kind of uh, had a, a shift in their job description. And so my role now was more inward focused. And so it's now more focusing on our systems, focusing on how things work, how our processes work. And so it's really good for me, again, because I get to, again, learn our internal workings, um, kind of how everything works and uh, been able to provide and add value in a different way that I'm normally accustomed to. When you watch baseball, I'll, I'll get to the yeah. Cardinals in a second. When you watch baseball, yeah. like everyone watches the game in their own way and has their own right. way of following uh, the sport with people who work in R&D. Certainly, uh, that's, I think, fairly distinct. How do you watch baseball? What, what are the things that you pick up on that you find the most interesting to watch? Well, of course, it started out just as a general fan. Right. And I feel like, you know, just kind of coming into baseball, it was just a general fan. Uh, But the more you work in uh, baseball, right, the the more you study these types of things, the more you get to look at baseball in an intricate light. Right. And it was the same process, again, with basketball. Um, You know, a a normal fan, a novice fan may see, uh, you know, a three point shot being made. Right. But somebody who's kind of in that. And, uh, you know, that position and kind of is more knowledgeable about the sport, you may see, okay, how did he get to that three-pointer, right? How did, you know, what are some of the things that kind of led to that, right? And so um, I'm kind of at that point, uh, you know, when I watch baseball, it's it's not so much, you know, just watching a game as a fan, but it's, you know, paying more attention to the count, trying to uh, predict what pitch is coming next, right? If it was a swing and miss, how was it a swing and miss? Was he uh, cheating a pitch or was he just caught off guard? And so it's those intricate things that you watch, uh, during the game that you try to pick up on. And it kind of makes it more fun to watch. Specific to the Cardinals, uh, there are a lot of options for things that you could like about watching them. With us here, uh, we focus much on the defense. I mean, it's, it's got to be the same. Uh, of, of course, it's it's always good to see Jack up, right, and and, and to see him do what he does. Um, but, again, one thing I love about the Cardinals is our, you know, what the pitchers have behind them. I mean, you think Colton and, you know, Paul DeYoung and Goldsmith and, uh, Bader and center, right? And so the way that they're able to play almost mistake-free baseball is pretty impressive. We have written uh, a lot about the success in particular of uh, Colton Wong and Paul DeYoung. And I feel too, you were, you being a point guard, there are certain aspects, certainly to being a point guard, things that go unnoticed that I think kind of holds a special connection to defensive play on the baseball field as well. I, I, do, you, do you get what I'm, what I'm trying to say? Uh, wholeheartedly. <laughs> oh, hardly. Tra- tra- traditionally, the point guard isn't uh, – he's the one that keeps the engine going. He may not be the one to get the glory, right? He may not be the one to, to make the last shot, but he's the one that made the pass to the last shot, right? And, uh, again, you couple that to, 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 to baseball and, and to defense, right? It's, you know, now it's the home runs. It's, you know, but, but it's also, right, the, 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 the gem of, of the game, right? Just playing good, solid defense and making sure that you're keeping runs off the board. Javier, I'm going to ask this question of people later in the show about suggestions they have and advice uh, that they would like to give to people of color who want to work in baseball uh, and baseball analytics. Um, Mm -hmm. I know this is a topic that you feel pretty strongly about from our talking before. 
what advice would you like to give to someone who wants to work in baseball and analytics, a person of color uh, who's trying to break into the field, who sees the field and might say, there aren't a lot of people who look like me working in it? Great question, Mark. And again, as we talk about it, something I feel very strongly about, especially being a person of color working in baseball. Um, I was at a round table uh, probably about a year or so, right? And the same question was posed and I was with other executives from baseball. And um, of course they gave the, the, the respectable answers, right? As you talk about wanting to work in baseball, right? Learning how to code, learning how to uh, do SQL and, and learning all these different programming languages, right? Um, but as I look at my journey, as I look at my journey, especially going into the Cardinals, I didn't have any of those, right? Um, but what I did have, I had the soft skills, right? And so I had the, the leadership qualities. I had the, uh, the ability to build relationships. I had the ability to come in not knowing something, but being able to ask the right questions and being able to learn skills, right? And so for people of color who are looking to get into baseball, um, I think, of course, these, the, these hard skills, I'll call them these programming languages, I think there's, they're important, but I would also add focus on what you do best, right? Focus on yourself, your, uh, your energy, um, your whole persona. Uh, what is it and how can you bring value to an organization, right? And then again, being able to uh, sell those soft skills, sell those leadership qualities, sell those things that, hey, uh, I may not have this, but I guarantee if I get into this role, you know, I will be able to uh, be able to learn it. Right. And I think that's something that uh, needs to be focused on and not focused on enough. People of color also uh, underrepresented these days on the field as well. What is the what are some of the things, the selling points for baseball that you would sell to a to a young uh, person of color who is looking for a sport to play? Yeah, it's it's tough, right? Because I think the reason why, you know, there are so specifically, I'm just going to say African-Americans, right? There are so many African-Americans playing in NFL, playing in NBA is because uh, that's what we see, right? And so to your point, when we look at a baseball game, right, not only don't we see it, but um, none of our friends are playing it. And so those are some of the things that kind of lead to, you know, that lack of, um, you know, representation within the sport, right? And so I would say that one, you have to be good. <laughs> I think no matter no matter color, no matter you know how we slice it, I think you have to be good at the sport. Um, and two, don't be afraid to go into a sport where you're not represented in. I think there's something about you know representation that matters, and the fact that uh, you have impact. Right. And, and the thing about especially being a professional athlete, you don't know how deep your impact is. Right. Like, you know, you make a post on social media and, you know, maybe 100 people like it, you know, but you don't see the the other 300 that just scrolled by that were touched. And, uh, you know, that, that that really felt the message that you were trying to portray. And so, again, I would say continue. You got to be good. Um, don't be afraid to uh, be, you know, represented. And uh, don't be afraid to shy away from what you bring to the table. I want to end on an upbeat note. Uh, career aspirations for you. Where are you looking to go? The, the current role I'm in now, I think it really suits uh, my, my strong suits, right? And so as I think about, I love building relationships. I love going out and, um, you know, the job that I do now. And so um, I would love to have this role in a larger capacity, right? Right now I'm a coordinator. So as I think about my career trajectory, I would love to be able to uh, manage, you know, the technology and innovation and uh, soon, you know, be able to be a director as well. All right, Javier, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mark. Again, I appreciate you.
Spencer Weisberg is in his second year as a baseball analyst with the Seattle Mariners, with whom he interned uh, before taking on a full-time position. He's a 2018 grad of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo with a degree in statistics. Uh, Spencer, welcome. Uh, first of all, tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and explain the path that took you to work for the Mariners. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so first off, I am from Seattle, so working for the hometown club, which is always fun and kind of a dream for a lot of people. Grew up in a multi-diverse household. Uh, my mother is uh, African-American, my father is white, uh, hence my last name. Grew up a Mariners fan, uh, went to a lot of games growing up, was a huge fan. Throughout my entire life, there was a lot of uh, sadness being a Mariners fan throughout the, the last few years. Uh, being born in 1996, I didn't experience 95 at all and don't really remember 2001. So it's, it's been a rough time and I'm trying to turn things around. I uh, grew up a huge baseball fan, like I said, uh, then decided to go to college. And uh, like Mark, you said, I went to uh, Cal Poly St. Louis Obispo. Um, went there to study computer science, started that and was just really just trying to make the most money that I could. Like I'm going to a good school. I'm going to get a degree in computer science. I'm from Seattle. This school is right next to Silicon Valley. So I'm going to make a ton of money in tech somewhere at some point. And then about like a year in, I realized I am sacrificing so much happiness for this little money that I might be able to get at some point in my life. Um, this is not what I want to do. I've always wanted to kind of work in baseball. So I, I took it back in and, and decided to switch my major to statistics because I felt like that was more of a better path to getting into a front office. Coupling that with my computer science background that I had learned, I feel like that kind of allowed me to get somewhere. So then I, at Cal Poly, they do a really good job at uh, their motto is learn by doing. And part of that is as a senior, you do a senior project type thing fully up to like the student and uh, the professor advisor to come up with some sort of project that what you learned the last four years, apply that to something of interest, like a mini thesis. So I, I did that on uh, baseball. I did like a war simulation to kind of understand what a uh, player's war looks like on a uh, distribution rather than just like a point estimate. Like we have like, we know that like Mike Trout is worth 9.3 wins this year or whatever. How much of that actually like is true and how much variation would we expect to see going forward with that? So that was my project. Sent that out to a lot of teams hoping to get some sort of job uh, at any, any capacity. Um, some people thought it was more interesting than others. So I, I did hear back from uh, a few teams uh, with invitations to interview, do projects for them, and um, like possibly meet up if I was going to the winter meetings. And so I decided to take a quarter late of college, so an extra quarter, and then go to the winter meetings uh, following that final quarter. Uh, so to do that, I had to skip my finals week, to my finals final week of school to go to the winter meetings. Uh, normally when you say I skip finals week to go to Vegas, uh, it seems very not good. Uh, but instead, I, I went to Vegas to get a job. So it, it was a little easier to convince my parents that I, I was going to do that. But yeah, so I met with some teams, including the Mariners, uh, met up with uh, a lot of our analysts. And then the next following day, I met up with uh, Jesse Smith, our director, and Joel Furman, our manager of analytics. And uh, 
I guess they liked me enough to give me a job. And so now yeah, the rest is history. I've that last year was my uh, intern season, and this is my first full-time season uh, with the club. What motivated your interest in both baseball and statistics? I had a huge love of sports growing up. Um, I played a lot of Madden, played a lot of like NBA Live, <laughs> NBA 2K, a lot of MVP baseball, the classics. And more often, I found myself kind of playing the general manager roles of those um, instead of like the actual games and like trying to trade and make the best roster and then simulating a season and then being like, ah, we suck still. And then like try to try to keep turning and try to make a, a good team out of like some some garbage that I like the 2008 like Bobcats. I tried to make them into like a, an awesome team and it just like was hard. But I it was that's like what I was loving to do and more so than actually like playing the video games. Super cliche answer is also reading Moneyball um, kind of changed my uh, my perception on things. I can actually do this. People are doing this. This seems like a smart thing that more teams are going to do. So maybe like my my math skills. This is when I was young, so like I didn't know how much math was actually like involved. I was like, I can. I'm really good at division, so I can do all of this. <laughs> but realizing like that was actually like a path that people could take was uh, really like eye-opening to me. But yeah, I always looked at it kind of as a pipe dream and something that I could always kind of do for on the side for fun, make some money uh, betting if I ever have like a traditional career path and just making my own models and stuff. Um, and having that just kind of like be like a side thing that I do, maybe like some side projects, some blogging, but like never really thought of it as a full career until I made that switch, like I mentioned earlier, into like going into statistics and just like fully going for it. Two weeks ago, we had uh, Emily Curtis on to talk about what she does uh, in her role in the Mariners uh, analytics uh, team. Uh, what do you do in your role uh, with the group? It varies day to day. Every day is a little different, uh, even though they all kind of seem the same right now. A lot of what I do involves uh, is on like the position player evaluation side of things, I'd say. We all kind of have our, our niche. Um, Emily mentioned she did a lot of like her injury project and, and everything. And she mentioned that when we start as interns, Jesse does a good job at talking to us about like what interests you and what does he think that will fit best for you to do uh, and what does the department need. And uh, those three things kind of lined up for me to kind of give a revamping to some of our defensive metrics and so that was kind of my my intern project was to like evaluate a lot of our uh, outfield defense a lot of that kind of stuff which is fun because we do have a a good system of outfielders um which is uh fun to evaluate so did a lot of that kind of to prove proof that i had had the skills to cut it as a full-time analyst and uh now what i do i do a lot of is like player evaluation on a position player side not even just defense I'm starting to like do more hitting stuff and evaluation of like hitting and looking at like exit velocities and understanding does does this exit velocity is this high is this low the are, is he is he hitting the ball hard but just into the ground is he hitting the ball kind of hard but in the air which one is better trying to evaluate like what what things are exactly better when it comes to like batted ball trajectory and stuff and swing decision making and contact ability how do those things kind of interact with each other. Emily was telling us about the interaction of the uh, front office with the analytics people. It must be interesting uh, to get to talk to someone like Jerry DePoto uh, or the other people that are uh, on in uh, his department. Uh, what have your experiences been with that? 
Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, always being willing to trade anything. Uh, and, and, and from like a player evaluation side, it, it does, it, it gives me a lot of things to do often. Last year, I wasn't expecting to be a part of any of these conversations as an intern, but was very surprised when I was just sitting at my desk and Justin Hollander, our assistant general manager, would walk in and be like, this team is interested in this player. Here are some names on the board that I've come up with. Everybody write me emails if you have any, any thoughts and things. I'm like, I'm allowed to do this? I'm, I started working here a month ago. I don't know anything. So it was, it was a lot of fun to be a part of those things. The more executive front office group does a very good job at uh, allowing them to do the best job that they can do by parsing information that we give them. All we do, all we can do is give them information, give them suggestions, and they will do their best at taking that information that we give them, uh, whether it be numbers from our group or like I saw a little uh, hitch in the sky swing from a different uh, group and use all that information to make the best decision for the club. And uh, I think that we do a really, really good job at utilizing every piece of information that we have to, to make those decisions. Defensive metrics is our thing here at uh, Sports Info Solutions, uh, as you know. Um, and I, I'm not going to ask you to tell us uh, any company secrets or anything along those lines, but I'm just curious for an overview from someone's perspective like yourself, what are the things that most interest you when you look at defensive, uh, defensive metrics? A lot, of, a lot of the things that interest me the most are kind of the tools that players possess that go into making them a good or a bad outfielder. So for example, you can have a guy who is maybe a average runner, gets average jumps and takes average routes. And he might be an above average fielder just because of his like ability to catch the baseball. Some people just cannot catch the ball or like figure out like where to actually be under the ball to make that catch or how people interact with walls could also be a, a thing that takes away from their ability to be as good as they should be. On the other hand, you could have somebody who has really good jumps is really fast, but just cannot find the baseball in the air and has a hard time tracking, has a hard time making adjustments around the wall. Um, so trying to figure out that question of why is this player have all these tools and why aren't they good or the vice versa of, why are, does this player have very average tools but is coming across as very good is a very fun question for me to try to answer. Uh, oftentimes it is very hard to answer, but that, that I think is the most exciting, most fun part about answering those outfield defense questions. We know from here there are certainly a lot of things uh, to explore on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, another topic, uh, again, broad overview here as opposed to a specific positioning is a, is a big thing these days. You see the uh, growth of the things teams experimenting with uh, players in weird spots, Manny Machado catching balls in deep right field, uh, things of that sort. What is your take just observing that sort of thing? For being an analyst, I am somebody who is probably more on the side of baseball traditionalist. Um, <laughs> if you were to pull every analyst and say, how do they feel about shifting? I'd probably be on the very low end uh, of just like, I, I like traditional baseball. Um, but the rules are in place that allow you to do it. Um, so I'm all for doing it. I think that it is, it is fun to kind of watch a game and just turn a game on and you're like, why are there five people in the outfield and nobody at first base? <laughs> like, what is going on? 
Uh, and that's really seems like what we're going, the path that we're leading to. But uh, I, I do think shipping is a really, really fun, interesting way that teams can use their analysts and use their intelligence to get better and get a couple of extra wins out of it. Another interesting thing about shifting is it really depends on your like pitching staff as well of like, if you have a pitching staff that is very, very fly ball heavy, uh, you should be your outfield positioning matters a lot. The, if you have a team that is a pitching staff that is ground ball dependent, then your infield shifting matters more. So that, that is an interesting kind of interaction there between uh, those two things that uh, I think would, would be interested to read more about in like the public sphere of uh, research of how much does shifting matter based on your pitching staff. You've, you've made a, a few points here that I'm guessing because I'm taking this kind of in conjunction with Emily from two weeks ago and just knowing uh, how departments work, how much does the the coaching staff management side kind of talk you through certain things uh, to to teach you the game from their eyes? I I have sat in and helped out with a few meetings this year during spring training about what we kind of wanted what what we kind of want our position players to do going forward and what they wanted them to work on during spring training, and it is it is really impressive uh, how good the coaching staffs are at knowing what players need to work on and having them line up with the numbers like almost perfectly. Uh, a lot of the times one of our hitting coordinators would say, I think that this guy needs to work on uh, pull side power and lifting the ball in the air a little bit more uh, on the pull side. Like that's exactly what I have. Uh, I didn't look at any of his swings or anything. Uh, I'm just going through a spreadsheet right now, but that's exactly what this says. So it is really impressive to, to know that. And then after the meeting, I'll ask like, what, what did you see? Like, why, why do you think that is the issue? And it'll often be something like their bat path, their attack angles. They have a little, uh, like a bat whip going. And so it's very interesting to, to kind of match up the reasons why with the things that I'm seeing and having those match, those things match up and uh, just learn more about the game. I, I play, I grew up playing the game and there I'm learning a million and a million more things every single day, just by talking to coaching staff about, what they see from their eyes. A couple more questions, uh, Spencer. What are your career aspirations? I always have wanted to be a GM, uh, have always thought that was kind of like the thing that I want to do. And then last year, watching kind of like the executive group have to do a lot of uh, media appearances and always kind of be even keeled. I'm not the most even keeled person, I'll be the first to admit it made me a little scared, but I'm somebody who believes in myself a lot. Uh, and so I, I do think that that is still the goal is to be a general manager of a baseball team or uh, some sort of director executive level thing. That is, that is the, that is the goal. It is for a lot of people that are in yeah. your shoes right now and a lot of people that uh, aspire to be in your shoes. Uh, and with that in mind, uh, I did want to talk uh, about the kind of the theme of the show, people of color being underrepresented in the baseball uh, analytics community. What would your message be to those people who want to work in baseball analytics? I think that the first, first thing is, I think that everybody knows that it's a problem uh, in, in, in the baseball world. And I think that the biggest thing for them to do is just put out awesome projects that are undeniably good. If you 
show that you provide uh, an ounce of value to a major league baseball team, you you will likely get hired in some capacity. I think that a lot of what goes on is that people look at it as I'm I'm black, I cannot help from like a like a mental standpoint. Like I cannot be I cannot outsmart everybody else in, in the world. So I'm gonna to try to go into coaching or I'm going to try to go into uh, playing because that is really what a lot of us were grown up believing and being told uh, is that you're going to go to the league someday. Like you're going to be a, you're going to be a, a big leaguer. Nobody like told me that like, Oh, you could be a general manager someday. It was like, Oh, like you want to be a big leaguer. It's like, not really. I want to be a general manager. So I think that just believing in yourself and putting out as much positive value that you can to a, to a team and showing that publicly with research, with, uh, just blogging, writing things that don't have to be game changing, just things that are like a little helpful, uh, just something to think about is, is a big, is a big thing that the whole community could do to make everybody look a little bit better. Um, also people can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm always available to help, uh, people of color, uh, or underrepresented groups, whether that be women, uh, trans community, uh, et cetera. Like I'm, I'm willing to, like always talk through people and give them project ideas that I feel like teams would be interested in. Awesome. Uh, certainly too, getting, uh, getting people exposure to STEM uh, at the earliest age possible. That's a whole other uh, aspect of this, but certainly important as well. I, I do think that a lot of people just don't believe in themselves and they are, they are, they are, they are grown up told that they, they aren't supposed to be doing STEM. And I think that is changing. Um, but it is something that will take a long time to change. But I, I do, I do think that it is changing, and I hope that every single person listening to this can help help the change a little bit more. Yep, ab- absolutely. Thank you, uh, Spencer, for taking the time to join us. Best of luck in your future. This is awesome. We went two for two at the Mariners. Great guest. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Karim Kassam is in his first year as director of baseball research for the Minnesota Twins. He's previously worked as a researcher at Mass General Hospital, a professor at Carnegie Mellon University, the legendary entertainment studio, Duolingo, and he spent four years as analytics and football research coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a Harvard graduate with a doctorate in psychology, so we get Harvard and Yale on the same show, and he goes by Professor Mullet on Twitter. Uh, hi, thank you for joining us. Yours is a longer path than uh, our previous guests, both of whom are uh, younger and uh, whom are just kind of getting started in the industry. Can you give us the abridged version with an emphasis on that which led you to the twins? Uh, my undergraduate and graduate degrees, the first graduate degree, are, uh, were in uh, electrical computer engineering and then in computer science. I got interested in psychology, pursued that PhD in psychology that you mentioned, uh, and then became a faculty member at Carnegie Mellon in a group called Social and Decision Sciences, so a mix of psychologists and economists. Um, and while I was there, I um, was in touch with uh, a guy by the name of Daniel Adler, uh, who's now also with the Twins, but um, uh, graduated from Harvard uh, before I did and took a job with the Jaguars, and I started consulting with the Jaguars uh, through him. Now, last time I visited him in Jacksonville, he, he sort of said to me, um, I know some people that are interested in putting together a movie analytics group, uh, would you be interested? And I, you know, I said, pass along my email, sure. Uh, you know, I'm happy to have that conversation. Sounds cool enough. And uh, the CEO of that company, Legendary Entertainment, uh, at that time, Thomas Tull, so already, uh, it was also a minority investor in the Steelers. So we, we started talking about movie analytics. We also started talking about football analytics. And uh, through 
uh, through Thomas, I ended up getting exposed out of both of those. So uh, you've entered baseball now, and is there anything in the first uh, eight months or so of your journey that has particularly surprised you? Uh, I think there have been a lot of surprises. The size of the organizations are vastly different. I think the first time I, uh, I went down to spread training, that, that struck me, having uh, eight teams, feeling eight teams uh, at that time at least, uh, the number of players, the amount of data. Uh, certainly uh, in terms of analytics and how research is used, baseball feels uh, a couple cycles ahead of football. Uh, I wouldn't say that's surprising, but yeah, I'm definitely learning a lot from, from that every day. Now, you mentioned a couple of the different stops that you've been at. One thing that we've done on this podcast is that we've explored areas where analytics are used that aren't necessarily in sports. We actually had a stand-up comedian, uh, Kasha Patel, explain her, I guess, sabermetric analysis of jokes, for lack of a better uh, term. What is it like uh, working in analytics in uh, something like working for a studio? My, my perspective feels a little bit odd in that when I started with Legendary in 2014, Feels like eons ago. Um, big data was still the buzzword. Um, so things look different then, but some of it, the difference is, is because of time as much of in, as much as industry. I think the, the types of things we were doing at Legendary uh, sort of surrounded creative. We wouldn't, we wouldn't touch creative. But um, movie studios made investment decisions to uh, sort of co-produce movies, uh, and we'd be involved in, in some of those decisions. So when uh, Straight Outta Compton came out, uh, we tested... NWA versus other bands that had movies made from uh, them, um, movies like Ray, Michael Jackson, Britney Spears, to look at recognition and other metrics we might use to inform that investment decision. And then the bulk of the work was, was around marketing. So after uh, a movie was made, a television show was produced, uh, how could we target the marketing, where should we place ads, what type of ads, for what type of demographics, uh, et cetera. Big movies, uh, Godzilla was the first one of the first movies I worked on. Um, I have a marketing budget of uh, $100 million for a movie like that. So if you, can, if you can reduce that ad spend by 1%, you can justify a pretty big analytics department. That's pretty cool. You got to work on a, on a couple of block, uh, more than a few blockbusters, I would imagine. It, it was pretty cool. I've always been a little bit more of a sports guy than a movie guy. So the, the draw was towards the, the, the Steelers, more towards the movies, but it, it's, a, it's a cool industry. What, what specifically intrigues you about baseball? You know, I think I've just been into sports for, for a long time. Um, baseball uh, baseball and, and, and football primarily, and, and that's sort of how my career path has gone. I was, uh, I was into the Blue Jays as a, as a kid. Uh, I grew up in Canada, and so the Blue Jays were really good in the early 90s. I was doing the baseball. Uh, and then I fell back in love, I think, with baseball uh, in the early 2000s when I moved to Boston before graduate school. And being in Boston before the Red Sox had won that, 2004 World Series, it was, it was just really easy to fall in love with that team. All right, so what was the most interesting thing that you did with the Steelers? I, I think every day with the Steelers was pretty interesting. I, I was sort of the first person there. We had, depending on how you count analytics staff, we had two or three people by, by 2018, uh, 2019 when I, when I left the Steelers. Uh, but being the first person and the only person for, for, for a lot of that time meant that I was kind of involved in everything. So... Uh, during the season, I meant that I was I was talking to uh, Mike Tomlin and, and the other coaching staff about preparing for the next opponent, and kind of in that in that rhythm of football where you're gearing up to play Sunday, and then you know Monday morning, six a.m. back in the office, trying to get as much information as I can for the next opponent. 
And then in the off season was working with Kevin Colbert and the scouting staff, uh, looking at all of the players, trying to predict which college athletes would be uh, great professionals and great professionals for the Steelers specifically. How did, uh, how did working with Mike Tomlin compare with working with Rocco Baldelli? I don't, I don't work as closely with Rocco as I, as I did with Coach Tomlin. They have a lot of similarities, both incredible leaders, both young, uh, you know, even Mike Tomlin still pretty, pretty young, but both, both young relative to the players, uh, a lot of energy, uh, different types of energy for sure. Uh, they're, they're also both very curious intellectual people. Mike Tomlin often said, you know, good ideas no matter where they come from, and, and Rockwell lives by that as well. And, and, and I think that's a sign of good organizations for uh, a person like me to be working with. You work for a GM who is very analytically inclined. You work for a manager who is certainly receptive to it as well, as you just acknowledged. Uh, did you change anything upon coming in, or is it very much an idea of there was already a pretty good system in place here, and my job is to uh, continue it? That, that's a good question. You know, they, they have a big team of analysts, and, and I'm joining that team, and that's been very different for me coming from the Steelers. As I said, you know, only a couple people there. Now my, my role, a lot of it is as a manager, and trying to make sure I can get as much out of that team that we're maximizing the research we're producing, the analysis we're producing, and, and really uh, making it actionable towards decision-making. So uh, it certainly helps that we have GM and manager that are very receptive. It, it's still uh, a big challenge for us always to communicate things effectively and make it easy to use that research. When you spoke at Sloan in 2019, you were on the uh, football panel with the president of the Rams and Warren Sharp uh, and Mina Kimes. You spoke about being inspired by what the other sports are doing when you uh, go to a conference like that and look at them. And I find that to be true for myself. For hockey, you referenced it for basketball. Are there things from other sports that you might want to pull in to baseball? I, I think for, for football, the basketball example was uh, particularly poignant because they had access to tracking data uh, for a long time before football did. Uh, and they're using that in, in similar ways in, in that, you know, it's all those, everyone on the court is interacting at the same time and trying to make metrics out of that. And in some ways, the, the football equivalent with Mexican stats is, is, is pretty similar. I think with, with baseball, it's probably a little bit harder to pull from other sports. I think baseball, the, the data analysis programs are just a little bit more mature and, and so some of that pulling in has already happened um i think we we are still learning uh, a little bit from other sports but also trying to learn from industry uh in terms of what's the what's the latest in, in terms of algorithms that we want uh, whether we want algorithms to be uh maximally predictive uh, of you know which amateur players are going to be a good professional for a team or if we want sometimes we want models that are that are really going to say causal things for us um, in order to help develop our young players we want to say why you know a fastball is being why some fastballs go out at 94 miles per hour and some go out at 90 you know if, if we can if we can give a causal model for that so last night I was watching the twins and this this will be I guess two nights ago from when the podcast uh, is on and Kenta Maeda uh, takes no hit bid into the ninth inning uh, gives up the hit I thought it was fascinating Kenta Maeda uh, one of the hardest hitters uh, hardest pitchers to make contact against in the majors last season going up against Eric Sogard who has the highest contact rate among hitters in the majors this season. You get this great analytic clash right there, and Sogard wins it. I guess to that point, 
you have uh, the the way that analytics interact with the game, in a, even in a situation like that, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, is there something when you watch baseball, when you watch it analytically, that you're particularly uh, fascinated by when you watch it? I, I'm I'm focused more than anything else while while I'm watching games at that pitcher batter matchup. I think that's it's sort of unique to sports. Just that that missile being thrown right at that batter at uh, 90 plus miles per hour, and a guy like Pinta who has uh, four different pitches that move in different ways, and he can locate all of them. Just has been he's been exceptional at keeping guys off balance uh, all season. With with Sogard, I think you're right. A little bit of a unstoppable object meets uh, immovable. <laughs> uh, yeah, movable force type type issue. I, I will say that Kenta, uh, uh, Silver won that, that last match, but Kenta got a few times. I, I was originally going to ask this question specific to the Twins, but I'll expand it to all sports. Who's your favorite athlete to watch, and can you explain why from an analytical perspective? My my favorite athlete all time, you know, that I, I think I had a chance to watch is, is probably Ryan Chazier. Um, you know, Ryan was one of our players with the Steelers. He was also our defensive play caller. And so a lot of the analysis that I was doing, you know, directly impacted what he was doing on the field, which is really cool to see. Um, incredible athlete uh, for, for a guy in the middle of the defense to affect the game the way he did just as a fan. It was really pleasurable. But then also that, that personal connection because I was working with him so closely because he was this curious person that was uh, picking up information as, as much as he could. Uh, I, I have to uh, select him. What is it like to have a conversation with a player about the kinds of things that you were talking about? I, you know, it's it's different for for every player. I think for uh, a guy like Ryan who really wants to get the the most out of himself and his teammates, it, it's it's really easy because um, he's just looking to to soak up information. And we we definitely um, with the Steelers, there was a lot of players that that were in that in that spot. Um, a lot of the defensive players, uh, whether they were uh, guys that ride were all pro type or, or guys that were uh, on the bubble of a roster and just wanted a little bit of an edge. You know, maybe it's if it's a, if I'm talking to a, another linebacker who's going to cover an opposing running back just to look at, okay, what types of routes does he like to run in different situations when he's in shotgun, when he's under center? Like, how can I cover this guy on third down? And we can get into, uh, you know, frequently get into these types of very specific questions. Um, so every, every conversation with a player, I think, is different. Last question. Uh, we, jumped, we really jumped around here. We were all over the map. We've asked each of the people that has been on this episode uh, to give a piece of advice, uh, whether it be for people of color that are interested in, in pursuing careers in baseball analytics uh, or just anyone who's uh, interested in pursuing a career, in your case, in, I guess, sports or even entertainment uh, analytics. What advice would you give? I think for, for the type of work I do, um, you know, if you like doing data science, if you like to poke around with data and explore and make graphs and, and run models, I the the path. I think there's a there's a bias people have when they give this type of advice, right? That they always they always tell you about their own path as if that's the absolute one. Um, so I want to acknowledge that bias, but I'm I'm still going to do the same thing. I think the the way I got to, to sports, I think, was to pursue opportunities, but really analyze data in all of these different ways. And as opportunities came up, I was sort of lucky enough to be in a position where I was able to see some of these opportunities and, and, and accept some of them. I think it's important to like, there, there are only so many jobs in sports, so it's important to really like the work. Uh, at the end of the day, if, um, you know, I think that it is exciting, absolutely, to work on a sports team, but the day-to-day of like writing the data isn't something you're interested in. Otherwise, it's probably not the best uh, pathway to sports for you. 
I will say that, you know, like the, the Twins, like a lot of teams, I think this year um, it's, it's going to be difficult for us uh, for, for hiring. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen exactly with this season. Um, financially, um, you know, next season, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to look either. Uh, we are hopeful that we're going to be hiring in the near-term future. Uh, and we'll, um, one of the things that we're going to be looking at, uh, we have historically, and we'll try to do more, uh, is bringing in a diverse group of candidates uh, to make sure that uh, we have a lot of viewpoints um, from uh, people of different races. Twins have done a good job of uh, promoting the people within their own organization. They've conducted a number of uh, online panel discussions uh, on the subject as well. Uh, Karim, thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, best of luck in your future and best of luck with the Twins as they try and knock off teams like the Yankees and A's to win the AL pennant this year. Thanks very much, Marcus. Pleasure talking to you. In June, our company put out a statement related to police brutality, systemic racism, and racial inequality. I'm going to excerpt from it here with one or two adjustments to close the show. Sports Info Solutions stands committed to a world built on a foundation of equality and justice, a world in which everyone has the opportunity to succeed regardless of race. We know that our company can do better. We are watching, reading, listening, and acting to fulfill our responsibility. We will be consistent in our approach as we move forward. It is important that we hold ourselves accountable for our promises. We know that history will remember what we do and we will work to fulfill our commitment. And I would ask that you hold us accountable as well. It was great to talk to Javier, Spencer, and Karim today. This wraps up the SIS Baseball Podcast. For our producer, Justin Stein, and for our guests, Thank you for listening. I'm Mark Simon. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the SIS Baseball Podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, email the show at mark at sportsinfosolutions.com or tweet us at sportsinfo underscore SIS.